Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello, it's me, Sam Baker. And before we go on with the show, I want to tell you about an exciting new initiative coming from The Shift. Many of you have asked how you can support the podcast further and get more Shift into the bargain. Well, now you have the opportunity to do just that by joining The Shift community. You can go to Steady dot media forward slash the shift and become a member of the shift in return for supporting the podcast you'll receive exclusive weekly newsletters community membership and plenty of other perks aimed at bringing us all closer together that's steady dot media forward slash the shift hello and welcome to the shift the podcast that aims to tell the no holds barred truth about being a woman post 40 created and hosted by me writer and broadcaster sam baker my guest this week is never happier than when she's making her readers feel uncomfortable lisa tadeo was a skint journalist when she wrote the groundbreaking book three women the true story of the intimate desires of three american women a bestseller on both sides of the atlantic it's now being made into a tv series starring shailene woodley as the author but more than that Three women made millions of women take a long, hard look at their own wants, needs and desires and the many ways they'd sublimated them. Lisa followed that up with her first novel, Animal, and has now published a collection of short stories, Ghost Lover, in which she analyses love, grief, obsession, ageing, body image and, of course, sex. I've interviewed Lisa before, so I thought I knew exactly what to expect. Sex, rage, more sex, more rage... This was not the chat I expected to have. We still don't want to value women. It's just in our DNA to not do it. And it's also in my DNA to pretend that I don't want it or need it or care about it. Lisa was in the contemplative mood and we found ourselves dissecting women in power or the lack of it. And this was before the Supreme Court overturned Roe versus Wade. The way power is given with one hand and taken with the other and how success stitches up women and families. Lisa also opened up about how her mother's fear of ageing affected her and learning not to be afraid to put a value on herself. 
it just occurred to me in the time since I first interviewed you three years ago, you've become one of those like famous people who gets written about like she tosses her obsidian crop. In her. <laughs> oh, God. I mean, I don't I don't know about that. I certainly don't feel like I'm tossing my obsidian crop. I, I feel like bedraggled and it's just constant work, honestly. <laughs> I know that sounds lack of gratitude, etc. But um, that's just the truth. So we talked last year, we did, didn't we? Because we talked about mm-hmm. animal last year. Yeah. Life just must be like completely unrecognizable from three years ago. It isn't it, isn't it? It's funny because I feel like my anxiety is such a mainstay. It's so static in my life that things changing, like the TV show and all of the TV stuff and all of the film stuff. It's all like exciting, right? From the outside looking in, it's exciting. And I'm happy every time someone likes something enough to want me to do more with it. And it feels really great. Yeah, my life has changed exponentially. And yet at the same time, there's this sort of like undercurrent of anxiety. And every single thing that I say yes to or do that involves me leaving the house, any kind of work that I do is under that umbrella of panic. So people have asked me that question before. And I always feel like the appropriate answer is like, oh, yeah, it's changed so much. I'm doing this and that. And it has, but also that sort of underlying thing is so prevalent in me that it's hard. The success hasn't made the anxiety any less. <laughs> it's <done laughs> made it worse. It's opposite. It's made it really? so much worse. A hundred times worse because it's just more work. For one, it's not like, you know, you have a success and then you don't have to do anything to sort of maintain it. You know, you have to maintain it. And just the more you get, the more you take on. It's just not, you know, it's just nothing's free. (laughs) There's no free lunch. It's still, it's still true. I mean, I am fortunate. I say this all the time. If I were like 25 years old or the person I was before my dad got into his accident, I would be like living it up and excited and maybe missing things and missing work stuff and going to parties instead. I mean, and the opposite is true. I'm not doing any of the fun stuff and I'm doing all of the hard stuff because the writing is what I really want to be doing. And the writing is something that I should be doing at home, you know, and every trip and every PR thing takes me away from the thing that got me here to begin with. So it kind of feels like nothing really feels the way that it should be in a sense. Do you know what I mean? Mm. It's a weird thing, isn't it, about success I suppose, you know, even on a regular ordinary job where you're just like climbing the ladder or whatever that is, every step takes you away from the thing you're good at. Exactly. Exactly. It's weird. I didn't know that. No one told me. Do you think that one of the reasons you're not like doing all the fun stuff Mm -hmm. is that slightly an age thing, do you think? Yeah. I mean, I think that, like I said, if I were 25, I feel like I'd be, you know, living it up. I think that I'm 42. I have a seven-year-old daughter. The trappings of success are not made for families. And what success requires of you to keep it successful does not go hand in hand in this country or, you know, in any of the countries I've experienced. Success is defined, especially in America, by just never stopping and never stopping to enjoy the things that the success is supposed to provide you. After shooting, we took a couple of days to go to this place to just unwind. And I had so much work to do for the show that I didn't know was going to happen. That's one of the things with lots of the 
creative world business is that it'll just pop up and be like, oh, you need to finish this script by tomorrow. There hasn't been one vacation I've took where I've actually been present in a familial sense and not like in the room working for years. You make an interesting point about the way you get and maintain success. It's not built for families. It's not built for women. It's not Mm -hmm. built for any women over 30. It's really not. And unfortunately, it takes a lot of people. You know, if you're not like a singer or an actor, it doesn't really happen until later for a lot of people. You know, if like you're working on something for for an extended period of time. Yeah, it's like we want it to happen in our 20s and 30s. But if it happens in our 40s and 50s and beyond, we're like, okay, cool. So I worked my whole 20s and 30s to get here. There's no end game in sight. And um, I don't know. I mean, I think it's just it's really about trying to create balance, but it's hard to create balance when you're in the middle of it, you know, and you don't have the time to even sort of like look at it from the outside and go, oh, I need to create balance here. Yeah, it's like that thing where you go climbing, climbing, climbing. And like you say, the definition of success is crazy busy all Mm -hmm. the time. And you're trying to get to where? I don't know. I don't know where. That's the thing. It's like where, yeah. like, I, where my, is where? My where, my personal where is someplace where I'm back to doing the sort of quiet writing that I started doing. It's funny because when I was when I was writing short stories and submitting them to magazines and doing all that, I started doing that when I was like 15 or 12 years old. I was very young. I was always like, you know, wanting to write short stories and and get them into magazines. And I remember thinking, oh, maybe one day somebody will actually be waiting on the other end for me to send them something instead of me like having to push something through and waiting for someone for years to, you know, Mm. to to look and, and to get attention. And now I have that. And of course, grass being greener on the other side, I miss those days when I really just wrote. I mean, I wasn't writing for myself in the sense that I, I always wrote to be published, but I was writing for myself in the sense of it was my timeline. It was my, it was when the creativity struck. To have to be on a clock with creativity is really difficult. It's not, it's not the way it used to be, but these days it it is. And that's presumably worse for screenwriting. It's like be creative by 11 a.m. Exactly. On a daily basis and like, you know, every weekend. And it's funny because there's so many less words on a page. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It <laughs> looks think it like easier. Yeah. yeah. It looks easier. It's I find it absolutely excruciatingly <laughs> harder in so many ways. And also there's so many more people involved. Yeah. Too many cooks. So the trailer was released. How did that feel? Yeah, it was cool. I mean, I think the trailer looks great. Yeah, I'm excited. I mean, it was good to see, you know, this thing that we've been working on for a long time to look like something exciting, you know. So how does it feel to be played by Shirley Woodley? (laughs) Well, I adore her. And as I said in that Q&A with Vanity Fair, um, the stories, the the experiences she goes through... um, the Gia character, the writer character, they're like 90% true to my experiences. Some of it was dramatized, you know, and whatever. But for the most part, I really feel like we, uh, like the writers um, and I and Shailene really created her own kind of version of me that I actually like a lot better than me. (laughs) Genuinely, I'm just like, oh, I'd rather hang out with her. She seems a lot more. So I, it's, 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 it's fun. And I really like her as a person. So it's, you know, it's been cool. Was it kind of weird being 
put in it when you've kind of in the book, it's like you've taken yourself out and the screenplay has put you back in? Well, I mean, the decision to put me in is because in the book, it's like, it's very much, you know, when you're reading the book that these stories are linked because of me, because of the writer who found them and talked to the women. In a show, if we were to do it, and just dry telling the stories of the three women, then it's just three different stories that aren't really connected. I think people often have that question in television and film that they don't necessarily have for books, which is, okay, well, what's the connective tissue? And that's, that's something that like, I think is just like a metrics thing that people need to have. So that was, that was one reason. Another reason though, too, was that, you know, so many people, even as we started casting the show would ask me how I found the women, how they taught, like, that was always one of the biggest parts is how did these people tell you all these things? And so I think, part of the interesting thing is to show why they did and Mm. to show the things that happened in my life that enabled me to sort of be totally open and wanting to help and listen to other people, you know, my own grief and the sort of losses and stuff. You know, I had a microphone and I had my notes, but I was like saying, Oh my God, me too. And I was crying and emoting that they were real relationships. And so that's part of the reason for it. Yeah. Yeah. That makes total sense. Do you feel like you've got more power, that the success has given you power or not? Um, You know, that's a really great question, Sam. Sometimes I feel like I have an outsized power that I have like an imposter syndrome about and feel like I don't deserve. And other times I feel like I'm utterly powerless and that the power that people give me is is sort of like figureheady, you know, Mm -hmm. um, so I feel both things on, on a daily basis, minute to minute. It's like up and down constantly of like, okay, am I, do I have the power to, and you know, like part of the the notion of power for me is like, I've always thought to myself that when I had more power, uh, I would be able to help more people. And unfortunately, in a lot of creative slash entertainment business stuff, the idea of helping people is so is so motivated by the sort of finances behind everything, you know, just like everything else in the world, when you see it in your own life on a cellular level, it's hard to to know that the kinds of power that people want wielded is that which saves money or makes more money. And so power is kind of linked to one's understanding of how to play that game which is not a game I'm really interested in playing yeah because I was thinking like going back over three women and animal and then reading ghost lover which I loved by the way there's such a sense the way I've kind of framed it in my head is of taking back power Mm -hmm. and I kind of wondered whether once you had become a powerful person Mm -hmm. that thread that runs through your writing of Maybe you as a writer taking back power or your characters in some instances, although not so much in in Ghost Lover taking back power, whether that will be less, whether that will be harder, whether it won't be such a motivator for you. I think what I think is that the notion of power, for me, power is really freedom, right? 
I think freedom to do whatever one wants to do in the moment is something that's really important to me because of my anxiety. The idea that I have the money or the quote unquote power to, you know, for example, bring my daughter with me on set on location because I'm afraid to not be with her. You know, I'm afraid to be on a plane and die in a car crash and abandon her the way my parents abandoned me. You know, I have a lot of of stuff. So for me, whenever someone gets in the way of me taking care of myself or my family, um, it's always been about freedom. I think that it is so absolutely awful that so many women specifically in America, in, in my case, that child care and all of that is so it's so and now what's going on with sort of you know abortion rights and all of that it is so stunning to me that in a country that was built upon the notion of freedom that we still try to keep people from their personal freedoms by trying to control them with money I don't think I'm ever going to stop the more freedom you get in one department the more someone tries to rein you in in another. So I don't think that's ever going to go away. For me, having personal freedom and and helping other people. For me, it's like, I just feel so confused about the idea of like employee-employer relationships. Like I, I feel like we don't really treat people like free people. I really don't. I think it's kind of shocking the way that there's just a lack of humanity and the power to instill humanity wherever I am is something that I think is going to always be an obsession of mine. Do you have employees now? Yeah, I mean, see, that's the thing. I wouldn't call them employees. You know, there's people working, there's, you know, several hundred people who were working on the show. And I, you know, went kind of overnight, in a sense, from not having people to sort of manage or anything like that, to having a lot of people. And it's not that I don't or didn't want to be a sort of boss or a manager or anything like that. It's just that for me, I want people who want to be there doing what they're doing. And I want everyone to be paid fair wages. And I want everyone to be able to get home to their family and do whatever they need to do. And I don't want, I don't want it to be an emergency that this pilot needs to be color corrected before a certain time. Like, I don't want Mm -hmm. that emergency to take over someone else's family emergency, which is what we often have to do. So yeah, I did and do, but I I like to think of myself as someone who is hopefully getting to a spot where they can help people live the lives they want to live outside of work and experience the kind of work day that they want to experience because it should be easier than it is, especially in the creative field for people to feel happy and not oppressed. It's really interesting because I actually made a note earlier. The thing that I think people find as hard to talk about as sex is money. Mm-hmm. And it's really, it's really interesting. Like in all the conversations we've had before and all the conversations that I've listened to have before, it's always been about sex. And that is partly because of free women and animal, mm-hmm. but also, and it's like, we have our conversation has circled around and around money. Mm-hmm. Why do you think money is so difficult to talk about and difficult for women to talk about? I think that for women specifically, it's so funny. I was talking to a friend of mine, a very successful friend who said that someone said to her, how do I get you You know, how do I get you on this project or how do I get you on this? And she said, just pay me. 
just offer me a lot of money. And she said that the person was sort of shocked Mm -hmm. at her for saying that. And it's like, you're asking a question and she just gave you an answer. It's like, what is the amount of money that will make it feel not awful for me to spend less time with my child? You know, like it's a quantifiable thing. And I think that for men, historically, it's like, you know, the more money that you give someone, the more powerful they are, the, you know, the, the more you're saying about how you value them. And we still don't want to value women. It's just in our DNA to not do it. And it's also in my DNA to pretend that I don't want it or need it or care about it. But then you go out into this world where like, everyone's like, you know, just do it for the passion, just do it for the dream. And it's like, but you guys are all making money off of my passion and my dream. So why can't I? I know it's something that so many of my female writer friends feel that there's still this idea and I have it too. There's a difference between feeling grateful for something that you have basically engineered yourself, you know, and and done all the work for and having someone support it obviously is, is huge and amazing. But there's a difference between that gratitude to have that and the desire for more does not make one ungrateful. It makes one determine their value. And, and we have to determine our own values and other people don't have to agree with it and they don't have to pay us what our value is, but we are allowed to say it. And, but we're not. That's the thing. It's like mm. if we if we say I want more, it's like, you know, why would you want more? This is enough. It's like, well, I decide what's enough, you know, in terms of like. And I just think that there's a very steep difference between what we're allowed to ask for. We intuitively know that if we ask for more, we might not get it, just as we intuitively know that if we complain about this man or that woman harassing us at work, that it's going to be worse. You know, it's it's mm. just we intuitively know these things and we are told every day that that's not the way that it is, even though it is. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. 
And it's like, it's somehow unattractive if you're a woman to say, no, actually, that's, you know, that's not enough. That's too little. That's not taking into account my experience. And one of the things I've found as I've got older is that people are even more reluctant. They seem to think that I'm at a point now where I should be doing it for nothing. I should be giving back, which of course, I'm really happy to give back to some things, but I'm not going to give back to a corporation that's got loads of money. That is exactly how I feel. It's the corporations like saying, can you work with us? Can you help us out here? It's like, what are you like? That's the thing that's always so weird to me is like the people you talk to at the corporations. It's not their personal money that they're giving you or not giving you. Right. You know, but they act like it is. And the notion that, like, as you said, that, you know, it's like, oh, Sam Baker should start giving back now. She's it's like, who I <laughs> She's still working. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. She's still got rent, you know. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It was really interesting to me in Ghost Lover, so many of the characters are older women. Because presumably you didn't write all these stories at the same time. It's a collection of work that you've pulled together throughout your career. Mm -hmm. What is it, do you think, about the aging process that was compelling to you? I watched my mother... um, who was beautiful in the objective sense. I watched her age and rue the process and say things like, I'm so vain, this is awful for me, etc. I saw that and sort of like witnessed it firsthand and felt sorry for her and not even knowing what I was really feeling sorry for, but knowing that she was pained by the aging process in a way that, you know, I think her value as a human was her beauty. That was what she was taught from a young age. So as you get older and, you know, my mother was incredibly funny and smart and like there's a million things that I could say and talk about regarding who she was. But ultimately, it was this notion of beauty that I feel like defined her for herself by other people and, you know, growing up as she did. And in Italy, being very poor, being the beautiful one in the family was something that was a, you know, a value add. So listening to her talk about her issues, her fears about growing older. I think that really impressed upon me. I like wanted to stop it for her. I wanted to take care of her. And then, you know, on the flip side of that, what I've seen with ageism in general, I mean, not even in the creative industry, not even in entertainment, but just in general, uh, I'll never forget a man who I was not interested in and who I had just told that to when he had asked me out repeatedly and it was a working situation. I mean, now that, you know, that would have been a me too situation. But back then I was like, I have to keep telling this guy no. But he said to me, I was like, probably had just turned 29 or or 30. And he was like, oh, um, you know that when young guys in their 20s stop looking at you, that you've surpassed some he was trying to hurt me with with an agent mm. comment and I was like under 30 and I'll never forget that I remember how it stuck with me and I remember how we use age against each other as though we're not all doing it as though we're not mm-hmm. all going to age it's like a 24 year old woman like looks at a, and I'm sure I did it too when I was you know then I don't remember mm. I, I feel like I was more in tune to that stuff because of my mother and her stuff but I'm sure I did stuff like that. But a 24, 25 year old can be like, well, she's old and irrelevant and it doesn't matter. You know, there's that kind of. Mm -hmm. 
And the fact that someone can do that, not not realizing, but not being self-aware enough to know that there is nobody free from aging unless, you know, Ted Hughes or someone has figured out how to cryogenically, whatever. Until that gets sorted, we are all aging. We are all moving. It's a biological fact. And I think that, that it's also biological warfare that we use against each other based on, you know, just the same way we use looks and the same, anything that's biological, we use sociologically to destroy one another or control one another. So I'm obsessed with it. So that's why it's in there a lot. Because <laughs> yeah. I often think it's harder if you're a really beautiful woman or mm-hmm. what many women I've spoken to have called a head turner, mm-hmm. that it must be harder because you must feel that you're losing something, whereas I never felt like I was losing that, right. that thing. As your mum's experience of it, has, has it affected how you feel about aging yourself? Yes and no. I I feel the same way as you. I don't feel like it's something to lose because it's not something I ever really, you know, felt like I had. Like it was my mother's sort of, that was how she was known in her little town as, you know, the pretty woman. I think that when that's your mark, it's the same thing as, you know, me being a writer. If I were to lose the ability to think or, you know, it's the same thing. You know, and I also don't think that beauty, whether objective or subjective, is like, it's like we sometimes spin it as a negative. We sometimes it's like it's not as important or it shouldn't be as important as our brains or whatever. But some people, their beauty is the thing that defines them. And that's OK. So, yeah, I think for my mom um, losing her looks, which is the sort of way that she would put it, it affected me in the sense of, as you can see, I write about it a lot. I don't think it personally affects me. Like I worry about aging because of, you know, dying and leaving my daughter alone. I mean, I do, obviously I worry. I'm like looking in this thing right now and I'm like, oh my God, I've got like eight white hairs and this eyebrow. You know, so. you have the smoothest forehead in the world. Is it, <laughs> is it Botox? I have Botox in between my brows right here. It's good. <laughs> right there. You're not. selling it to me. I'm looking at your forehead versus my forehead and thinking, mm. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I get it in between here because I have my mother. That's that's actually something she the only thing that she had that was not beautiful was a, a very deep canyon of a line between her brows. But she she never got Botox. She was afraid of it. And it was kind of, you know, before she passed, it was just getting kind of, you know, more prevalent for people who weren't celebrities. So, you know, I, I think now if she were still alive, she might do it. But back then she didn't. But the line in my forehead is the same. And a doctor said to me that if I did Botox earlier, it wouldn't like set in the way that my mother, my mother was like, you could like put a penny in there and it would stay. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's some really brutal, I've actually written down a load of quotes from Ghost Lover and there's some such brutal descriptions of like the aging process, like the 50 plus never married are regarded as zombies who ate foul cheese and smelled of crying and how <laughs> 42 felt, sounded better than 41 because 41 felt eggless. It's just like... <laughs> Oh my God, (laughs) it's so brutal. I mean, you know, what I think for me, it's like we have these brutal thoughts about ourselves, you know, and I think that saying them out loud feels like the only form of power that I personally can feel against the aging process or, or not even my aging process, but against the way the world sort of sees it. It's almost like, you know, if you call it out first, you're like... 
I know what you're going to say about me. Here's what it is. Now that's it. Now what do you have now? Is kind of my, it's a protective uh, shell in a sense, I think, to do that. It's something, you know, comedians obviously have been doing since the dawn of time. But, you know, saying something about yourself before someone else can say it. I, I subscribe to that. Because I think when I read something that hits home for me, that makes me feel like, oh, God, someone just like tore into me. Like, you know, when I read someone else's work, I mean, and I feel like I recognize something. It makes me feel less alone. So that's kind of always my M.O., is that even in brutality, to help people feel less alone by saying the things that, that you aren't supposed to say. Yeah, it's like um, there's one, I can't remember which story it was now, where you talk about uh, women being either old and Patagonia or old and chemical peeled. <laughs> <laughs> I long to be the Patagonia one, but I feel like, like that's the thing. It's like I feel, I think I'm heading more towards the chemical peeled version I, I don't know. I'm just kidding. I just, I was just saying like, you know, the kind of, there's such a giant gulf between, I think, at least for me, between the person slash woman slash human slash mother that I want to be and the one that I'm capable of being or feel that I'm capable of being. And I like to write words in between that gulf and sort of try to bridge it and make it feel less scary by saying it out loud. As you've got a bit older, do you feel like, have you got better at, you know, saying no and standing no. up for yourself? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, in fact, it's something I think about all the time. Um, yes, here and there, I'll have like moments of, of clarity and courage. But for the most part, there's still so much fear and fear still rules me in so many ways that, um, yeah, n no, I have not gotten better at it. I have thought more about getting better at it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a start. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> what about apologizing? Have you stopped apologizing? No. Um, I am thinking more about doing that too. I feel like sometimes, you know, it really depends on the day. I think some days we have days where we're like, at least I do, where I'm like, I'm not going to take any shit from anyone today. You know, and then you'll get sort of pummeled and by 3 p.m. you're like, all right, <laughs> whatever, <laughs> um, you know, and, and then other days you don't even think that way and you just kind of exude some sort of peaceful sense of power. It just it depends on it's just everything is so um, interconnected to the way that we've woken up this morning to, you know, like last night I got in at 4 a.m. My daughter is not feeling well. My husband it ruptured his Achilles tendon so he can't walk so I'm taking care of both of them and you know still continuing to do work so I don't so it's like you know today you asked me that question I'm like I've got no, I'm like I'm completely yeah. fast of anything I will apologize to anyone I will tell anyone that any to, I'll do anything anybody wants today just just let me live yeah. <laughs> let, me, let me go on um so, you know, I'm trying, but it's, it's hard. It's a hard, it's a hard world. It's really hard. We're in a hard time. It's hard to put yourself out there and have people kind of root for failure or your success based on what's going on in their own lives and what's going on in, in yours. It's a weird sort of liminal state that I'm very intrigued by, but also, you know, frightened of. I feel like it's frightening to, to exist in the world. For me, I'm just, I'm a very scared person. It's also 
like, I think I saw you say something about this, where there's a sense, I think, that, you know, we're either good or bad, we're black or white in the sense of, you know, our behavior. We are like fixed or broken. And actually, most of us live in the space in between. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. I'll got to ask you the questions I always ask. What's your emotional age? Oh, that is such a good question. I would say 64. Why 64? That's so fascinating. I love this question. I love the answer. Um, I think, you know, my mom, again, we go back, go back to my mom. You know, she didn't have any friends in this country. So I was her only friend. So when she had me at 41, she was already, you know, older than most women having children, especially in that day and age. And I was obviously, not obviously, but I was not planned. I was an accident. And she would talk to me like I was her friend like even when I was like five, six, seven years old in ways in which now like I look at my daughter and sometimes I'll say something that's like kind of something my mom would have said. And then I look at her and I'm like, oh my God, she's just a child. She can't handle that. Um, But my mother didn't have that filter. She would just talk to me like I was. So I always felt like I was her age. I always felt like I was like 41 or 42. Um, And now that I'm 42, I feel like 64 makes sense because there's been a lot of living that I've done and also a lot of living I haven't done. So I think I, I got to 42 by the time I was eight years old. And then in the time since, I've gotten up to 64. <laughs> There's um, a line in Ghost Lover where one of the characters says that they were never 25. And I just thought, oh my God, oh. that resonated so much. <laughs> I-, I was never 25 either. Yes, that's and I exactly. guess you were never 25. I was never 25, ever. You know, I've met a lot of people like that. I've, there are more people out there who were 25 and mm. who were 26 and who were 27. But there's a lot of people who weren't. And I was one of them. And you were one of them, apparently. So it's it's something that I think is really, that's why I think that emotional age question is so phenomenal, because it's so real. I think it's basically a podcast in its own right, who really get exactly. into it. Totally. <laughs> uh, give us a book recommendation. It can be like a lifelong love, or it could just be something good that you've read recently. I just did a, an event yesterday with um, Amias Renifasan who wrote Right to Sex. It just came out in paperback in the UK, I believe. And that was quite illuminating and powerful to read. So I would say that. And Luster is is probably the book by Raven Leilani that I read in the past two years that has just really stuck with me so much. Um, What advice would you give younger women? You know, sometimes I feel genuinely like we're in a place right now where younger women should be giving older women the advice in a way. So I would ask uh, for advice of a younger woman. I have advice to give them when it comes to dating and relationships. And I, I feel like I've lived a lot of life in that regard. But I also feel like there's so much intelligence that younger women have now, just like in the world they grew up in, which is more self-aware than the one that I grew up in. So I almost feel like I would like to ask them for advice. I love you for saying that. Nobody's ever said that before, but I love you for saying that. Um, Who is your old bird role model? So an older woman who inspires you? Oh, gosh. I met Kate Blanchett uh, over a Zoom meeting for, for a TV or film project. And I've always thought she's one of my favorite actors in, in the history of the world. Um, her and Helen Mirren. And both of them, to me, are so honest in who they are and all of the sort of things that make them up 
and also will always be forever emotionally young at the same time. That's the kind of woman that inspires me, someone who has held and has lived a lot of life, but also has room to keep learning. And so I, I would say those two just off the top of my head. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. As far as, you know, people that I look to it, I'm like, oh, you know, women who just carry with them a sort of sense of grace and and purpose and kindness. Uh, What's your superpower? Being able to, I think, empathize with almost anyone, except for my husband. (laughs) Truly. (laughs) I really mean that. (laughs) And how many fucks do you give? You know, I really legitimately give zero. I really do. I'm scared, but I don't give any fucks. Like, I don't care what people think of it. I'm just scared that something's going to fall on the house and kill my family, but I don't give any fucks. I just want to be able to save people, but it doesn't have to do with fucks. <laughs> That's great. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sam. It's so Thank you for squeezing you. me in. It's lovely Thank to see you. Thank you for making me feel like I had a conversation with a friend as part Aww. of my day. I really appreciate that, like, a lot. Oh, well, thank you for fitting me in. I know you're rammed and you've had about two and a half hours sleep. Which is also your superpower, (laughs) managing to hold a conversation (laughs) and sound coherent on no sleep. Thank you. (laughs) Appreciate it. Thank you for listening. You can hear a new episode of The Shift each Tuesday, wherever you get your podcasts. If you like what you hear, please do rate, review and follow because it really does help other people find us. And if you'd like to support The Shift further, please consider becoming a member of our community Find out more at study.media forward slash the shift.